but there's five dimensions of entering in a relationship with Jesus. There's five dimensions of a relationship impact. And first one is teaching. Teaching. Second is counseling. Third is coaching. Fourth is mentoring. And fifth is, actually fourth is discipling. Sorry, fifth is mentoring. How many believe that we are all ministers? All of us are ministers. When you are born again, you are a minister of Jesus Christ. In the fivefold office, gifts are to serve the saints. Instead of the saints serving the offices. The Bible says that these offices are given by Jesus to equip the saints for the work of what? Ministry. So teaching tonight, how many know the difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher? A bad teacher just teaches on a subject and a good teacher teaches the student. Okay? It is what is caught that is more important than what is taught. It is what is caught that is more important than what is taught. Because you can teach a man's mind and he's been taught. But when something lands in his spirit, it's been caught. That's what changes the man's life, is what is dropped in your spirit, what comes alive in your spirit. When something comes alive in your spirit, it is yours. God has given you full authority to use that word. And because there's authority on it when it is dropped in your spirit. That's why you see a lot of Christians with no authority. Because you've got to spend time with God. Because the authority is in the revelation of Jesus. When he becomes a revelation to you, when he unveils himself to you, in this, as you grow, you come under authority. And that's his authority. Amen? So until then, we are living under what? Reason. And reason gets you nowhere. There's no growth in reason. The only thing we're supposed to read, the reason that, that function exists in our soul, the intellect here, is to reason with God in understanding. That's a function that, that God put in us to understand truth. That's why he told Eve not to eat from the, the tree of good and evil because he didn't want us to have that understanding. But since we ate from it, reasoning was birthed from that tree. So we don't reason with that. We reason with God. When he gives us the revelation in our spirit, if you get a revelation tonight, you take that revelation and you meditate on it. And in the meditation of that revelation, that that revelation is passed through communion with God. You're having fellowship with that revelation. And once that's accomplished in the spirit man, then the discerning function will hold that revelation until the Holy Spirit has set apart the intellect to receive the truth. And that's when we reason with the truth. The, the mind has to understand what the spirit has received. That's what that function is there. We reason with the truth, the truth in us. We don't reason with things on the outside because the enemy is on the outside. The Bible says we're supposed to live from the inside out. Okay? So I'm going to try to go slow. If you only have questions, this is, you just raise your hand because we need to get it. Um, the title, I'm, Richard, we're going to title this vision, Worship Wins. Worship Wins. This is a vision the Lord gave me in a, in, one, in a third heaven experience on a Saturday morning. I was four hours. And what you were doing tonight, singing, listening to music, I was in the third, fourth hour of that. 
and this vision came. And uh, the Bible teaches us that there are three heavens. There's the heaven. We look outside, we see the heaven. That's called man's heaven. God gave that to man. We, he reigns on us. He, 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 he shines light on us. The darkness, darkness comes on us. That's all we see is that heaven. But there's another heaven that the rulers of darkness dwell in. And this is the second heaven. This is where Satan dwells. This is where Satan rules. Satan's kingdom is birthed right there. That's where the principalities, the rulers of darkness, spiritual host of wickedness, rule over cities, over your life, coming from that ram right here. And this ram is connected to the unrenewed mind. See, if your mind is still in darkness and it has not been renewed by the word of God, then you're still influenced by this second heaven. You understand that? But when your mind gets renewed, according to Romans, he says, do not be transformed, be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the perfect and good and acceptable will of God. So, as your mind gets renewed, this influence can no longer have agreement with you. Because Satan's agreement in the saints is what's in their heads, not in their spirit. Because God is in your spirit. But listen, if you want to experience the life that Jesus died for, he said, I came to give you life. And what? Life abundantly. Well, that's a twofold statement in that one scripture. He gave to give us, give us eternal life, which is the born again experience. But the life abundantly is the manifestation of the kingdom inheritance, which we were grafted into in the covenant of Abraham. And how many remembers the covenant of Abraham? When you get born again, the kingdom of God is deposited in you. And the kingdom of God we know is righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay? Now, there's an inheritance in that kingdom. And that's what we call the kingdom life. The manifestation of the abundance of Christ working through us. And that inheritance is the promises that are within the covenant of Abraham that, that uh, my wife just mentioned, those things. And uh, I don't see many Christians living in that covenant. Or, uh, they're in the covenant, but they're not manifesting that covenant. You know why? Because the mind has to be renewed to produce what is generating in your spirit man. Okay? So righteousness, peace, and joy, the kingdom of God is generating in your spirit but this mind produces what's in the spirit man and manifested in the earth and your words become life and life is attracted to life so what jesus bought back from satan is yours out there everything god created he said i've given you all things to enjoy that pertain to life and godliness so we we can't enjoy anything without a renewed mind and that's why a lot of people have lost homes. A lot of people have lost relationships because we have created these things without God. You can't create something with God and expect God's going to be in it without a renewed mind. Remember, this produces what's generating, and that is the kingdom. So now the teaching, the visions that God gave is, is so timely because, you know, the last couple of years, a lot of things have been, been stripped from people, relationships, material things. And now they are in position, okay, for the real thing. Because what happens is the counterfeits always show up first. When God, when God is ready to release something from heaven to you, it passes through the second heaven so Satan sees and hears 
what God pronounced over your life. Okay? So he sends one of his disciples, and we were all Satan's disciples, right, before we got saved. He sends one of his disciples to raise up a counterfeit to uh, appear like God, to look like the thing you've been praying for, to look like the thing you've been asking for. And you lay hold of it. But Jesus, when Jesus lives in your soul through a renewed mind, then the Father can come and dwell in the temple. Because the Father can't dwell where there's sin. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is sent to us to help us get sanctified. Actually, he is the sanctifier. He pulls us back, separates us from things and from people and from sin. And then Jesus is a sanctifier. The truth is what sanctifies us and makes us whole. So the majority of the church will celebrate Jesus, but have not experienced the benefits of Jesus, nor a complete restored relationship with the Father. One of the benefits of Jesus that the church as a whole has experienced is his love. That's the first thing we, we, we experience when we get born again. We become to love ourselves. And that's how you know God has come in because we become to love ourselves. We don't care what people say about us. Remember, I used to care what people say. Now I don't. Because I know who I am in him. I am loved by him. And that's usually as far as it gets with a lot of Christians. But there's so much more. You see, the presence of the Father, wealth is attracted to the presence of the Father. And, and wealth is a whole word, remember? It's a whole word. It doesn't mean just money. That means you are wealthy spiritually. Your mind is wealthy with the truth. Your body is wealthy in healing. And your finances are wealthy. You've got more than enough to be a blessing to someone else. So that's a whole word. So, so wealth is attracted to the presence of God. <clears throat> so we celebrate him because he died for us. That's what celebration is. We celebrate him because he died for us. But we have not received his benefits. And what are the benefits? Well, so, well, covenant's one. That's the main benefit. But there's benefits before you get to the benefits. And it's in Psalm 103, 2 and 3. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. So what is iniquity? It's a sin nature. It's what Satan is attracted to. Is your iniquity. This is where iniquity lives. In the darkness. Satan is attracted to the iniquity. But Jesus forgives that. There is forgiveness for that. When you, when you, get, when you get a revelation of the word of God. And know that word is yours. The forgiveness just stepped in place. Forgiveness is at hand. It just came real into your life. Because the word brings you to a place to receive that forgiveness and receive the benefits of the word. So, see, we, we celebrate Jesus here in praise. We celebrate Jesus in praise. We receive from Jesus in praise and worship. And we receive from the Father in pure worship, which means restored. So you celebrate Jesus in praise. In this position here, we're receiving from Jesus the truth. And after we receive, receive the truth, now we can be restored back to the Father completely. 
So the Holy Spirit helps us celebrate Jesus. He is, he is the one that's prompting all this. He was sent to help us. He is the spirit of grace and he will always lift up Jesus. Listen, if you're listening to anybody that's lifting up a man, you're listening up the wrong spirit. You're listening to the wrong spirit. Because man is not to be lifted up. Jesus is always lifted up by the spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. So uh, 1 Corinthians, now we're going to start getting some deep stuff. 1 Corinthians 2, 12, 13, and 14. You can just write those down. I'm going to read them. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world. Okay, now we're born again. But the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You hear that? So God has some things he wants to give you. And he wants to give them to you freely. What does freely mean? Without bondage. Okay? So we all agree that debt is bondage, right? It's something you have not received freely from God. It's something God allowed you to do. I always say there's the perfect will of God, which is freedom. There's the permissive will of God, which has a measure of freedom in it. Okay? So it is impossible to know the things of God, the things that God has freely given to us, unless we live in the Spirit. We have to live in the Spirit. Now, how do we know that we're living in the Spirit? If you are truly... Walking in unconditional love, you are in the Spirit. You are living in the Spirit. If you are truly walking in unconditional love, you are truly in the Spirit, and God is ready to give you things without bondage. Because it says, Oh, no man, nothing but love, right? So when we get into debt, you see where I'm going? That's not love. That's not love. Love love does no harm. Does no harm to your mind, to your body. Does no harm to people. So verse 13 says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. And here's the key. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual Okay, there's a discerning going on now. We're comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Man's teaching originates from where? The soulish realm. Man's teaching originates from the mind. Something another man has taught. That's why I love the Apostle Paul. He said, no man taught me. He said, Jesus taught me. We need more of those kind of people. Because we need to hear from God. And not through a man who's been taught by another man, through another man. You know, you see what I'm saying? We got to hear from God. We got to hear revelation. So, the, so God, God's teaching originates from where? The spirit man. That lit up man on the inside, the new creation, is where God's teaching comes from. So to move from the church age, how many, listen, raise your hand. How many, how many of you feel like you're still in the church age and not, have not experienced the kingdom age yet? Moving from the church age means you're leaving, it's in the book of Hebrews, you're leaving the elementary teachings of the cross and faith in God and moving on to maturity through advanced teaching. Now I'm going to tell you advanced teaching has to come through an apostle. That's all through the Bible. Revelatory teaching started with apostles. They're going to end with apostles. Original 12 apostles laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. 
And the modern day apostles are building the house. But some walls have got to come down first. There's got to be a rebuilding of these, of this, of these walls. So, <clears throat> you need revelatory teaching to move from the church age to the kingdom age. And, and how, how you'll know that you are advancing towards that, that you've made a step, is that you'll be what I call the in-between zone. Okay? Where you can't figure things out. You don't know where you're at. You, you feel like you've lost your identity. You can't hear God. You can't smell God. You can't taste God. You can't see God. Where is he? You're in the in-between zone. That's promotion in motion. But that is the test that if you can't see him and if you can't hear him, you still have to trust him. Because the kingdom life is all about surrendering to his total trust, to his total lordship, leaning on him completely. And see, babies like to hold on to their mommies and their dads. It's about growing up and letting go of the elementary things. Letting go of what is comfortable to you. Letting go of what is secure to you. Because God is bringing you into a place that you'll possess all things but own nothing. Because we don't own anything. He owns it all, but we possess it all. He gives us stewardship over it. Now, he's not going to give you stewardship over something you can't trust you with. And a lot of us don't have great finances, enough wealth to get us out of debt and to be a blessing to others because he can't not yet trust us with it. God will never give you anything he can't trust you with. You know why? Because it will destroy you. It will destroy you, and money will destroy you. If you haven't died to money and material things, and God gives you those things, they'll destroy you. They'll take you completely away from God, and you'll be serving a a mammon God. So, verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. See, the natural man lives by his five senses. He lives by his five senses. The spiritual man lives by his three functions in his spirit. Okay? What are the three functions? Intuition, communion, and and conscience. This is what we live by. This is what we walk in. In when this over here becomes in agreement with this over here, now we're walking in what we were walking by. Now we're manifesting on the outside, materially in the natural, what we're walking in. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for teaching this tonight. The soul of man produces from both. The soul of man produces from both. The soul of man produces the information he gets from the five senses. If I touch someone, automatically my mind's thinking something. And I'm going to produce that. So the, the natural man lives by his five senses. And he walks in what the five senses are enticing him to do. That's lust. Okay? So we live from the inside out. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to discern and compare spiritual things with spiritual Listen, if you'll just wait on the Holy Spirit, that means, how do you wait on the Holy Spirit? Don't open your mouth. Keep your mouth 
keep your mouth closed until you receive something out of your spirit. Because he's the one that is discerning. He's discerning for you if what's on the outside, which is spiritual things, is in agreement with what's on the inside of you. He can cause you, he can cause you from experiencing a lot of counterfeits by just waiting on him. Because he knows what's out there. And spiritual things are material things. Spiritual is inside of us. So the spiritual is the new creation. The spiritual things is what the outside, the 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 out, outside of the new man owns. He possesses these things. The Holy Spirit teaches us to know the things that have been freely given us by God. So everything that comes into your life is not always from God. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to be God used. Because God can still use it. But the devil is a counterfeit. He wants to give you things that will cost you something. And one of the biggest things he costs you is fear. Living in fear is what he costs you. If you're living in fear, then you know he's behind what he's causing you to fear about. And anything the devil does has no substance to it. There's no truth in it. So what he's causing you to fear is a lie and there's no substance to it. But Jesus went on to say, what you think on, you attract. So if you think on fear, you're going to attract destruction. It'll cost you. God gives us things freely. No bondage, no cost to your soul. No cost to your head, no cost to your soul. He gives you things that there is no bondage to. It's free from bondage. If we live in the Spirit, we will know what things God has given us. And worship wins. Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now listen to this. God gave me this teaching. And he said, thanksgiving opens the gate. I said, what is the gate, Lord? He said, the gate is the word of God. And who is the word of God? Jesus. So entering his gates with thanksgiving, you are entering into Jesus. And into his courts with praise, it says. Now, praise brings you into his courts for a season. I always wondered what happened in the courts. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Okay. This is going to be very good because giving thanks opens the word of, word of God over your life. It gives way. It gives a way to his courts. It gives a way to his courts. That means it brings you to the courtyard. But thanksgiving brings you into the courts, plural. Okay? So we're going somewhere with this. This is very important. This one's very important. So what happens in the courts? I said, Lord, what happens in the courts? And he said, courts are a place of justice. He said, a judicial, judicial system is an operation when you enter into his courts.
through the gate of Jesus, who is the word, and you enter into thanksgiving, you enter in your court, and the enemy of your soul is judged. Isn't that awesome? I, I hope more of you get this tonight because uh, you're going to be praising him more. You're going to be worshiping him more because what we're in bondage to is being judged at this point. Remember, his right hand scatters the enemy. Who's he scattering him from? Us. Psalm 65, 4 says, Blessed is the man you choose. I love this scripture. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you. Listen, only the Holy Spirit can prompt you to praise Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But it says, Blessed is the man whom you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts and be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. There's the courts again. So listen. The Holy Spirit causes you to approach Jesus that we might dwell in the holy temple. And that's us. We are the temple of God. So now the, 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 the temple is holy because we persevered in worship and we have a holy experience. So the Holy Spirit is the one who causes us to approach Jesus for a judicial experience. Now you don't even know what's going on because you're in praise and worship. You're, it's a twofold work going on. There's a double-edged sword going on when you are in this place of praise slash worship, there's a mixture going on. And what's happening is the enemy is being judged and you don't even feel it. Because you're caught up in his peace. You're caught up in his presence. But there's a divine work going on on the outside of you that's connected to you. Listen. You see this chain from the second heaven? hooked to this man's soul this chain is being released that if you looked in the spirit when God gave me that vision if you looked in the spirit with some Christians that's what they have hooked to their minds walking around the earth praising God out of their spirit but their mind is in bondage to Satan But when you enter into that, the courts of Jesus through praise and worship, these things get cut off. The enemy gets scattered. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes you to approach Jesus for this judicial experience. But it goes on to say, so you can be satisfied with the goodness of his house, which is the holy temple. So we are that temple. And the Bible says, it's a temple not made with hands. Remember the Old Testament temples were made with hands. We are truly the temple of God. It is only when, listen, it's only in holiness that we are satisfied with the goodness of God. If you, if you don't experience holiness, you'll never be satisfied with the goodness of God. You'll never be satisfied with the goodness of God. Everything unholy must enter judgment, and that's these judicial courts. And what are the courts? We have four courts right here. Look how these visions tie together. It's just, God just amazes me how he knits all this together. Because I said, Lord, you said courts, plural. There's the four courts. This is where the enemy takes up residency. Either in our intellect, our will and choice, our emotions, or our affections. He wants to prostitute all those things. For his kingdom and for his gain. But when you, if you stay in a lifestyle of faith and, and uh, live by faith in a lifestyle of praise and what? Thanksgiving, then you're going to experience a judicial work going on that you won't know it's happening until you walk outside of this place and, and, and now some things have been released from you. And how do you maintain that life? You have to live by faith.
okay? And you have to maintain a lifestyle of worship and thanksgiving. Everything that comes out of your mouth should be different. So the Holy Spirit is the teacher who discerns spiritual things with spiritual. But Jesus judges and sanctifies what doesn't line up or agree with the truth that is in us. The truth is right here. Truth is in our spirit. In fact, the whole Bible is right here. Am, am I right? Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit's God. But if God opened up this whole Bible in my life, I couldn't handle it. He has to unveil it. He has to reveal it. And when he unveils it and reveals it, it is for a work to be done. It's for that revelation to land in my head, in my soul, and make it whole so it can come into agreement with what's in my spirit, which is truth. Now I can produce the kingdom. Am I going too fast? I always say, are we getting this? <laughs> is it too much? <laughs> Raise your hand. We have time. Raise your hand because this, all this stuff is so seems so simple to me. Bernice was talking to me the other day. She said, Gene, you just live in this, but we don't. <laughs> so she spoke up. I said, good, get late to start teaching it. <laughs> Remember, I'm not a teacher. I'm a foundational truth layer. That's what apostles do. They lay the foundation of truth. And listen, there's different levels of foundational truth. This is one level of foundational truth where we realize we need Jesus as our Savior. This is another level of foundational truth that we build on. It's another level of revelation. Of him unveiling himself. And this is the final level. And that's a man that's walking in, 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 in full truth. Walking in the kingdom. Manifesting the kingdom. But listen. Hebrews 9.27 says. And 9.28 says. It was appointed for men to die once. And after that. this after But after this. The judgment. Okay listen. If, 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 you were, if you were crucified with Christ, you've already been judged, right? How many believe that? Amen? So you've already been judged. So what does this mean? He said, he said, it's appointed for men to die once. So once you die, you receive Christ. But after this, the judgment. Well, it goes on in the next verse, 928, that Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation that's the key word everybody thinks that's the rapture when he appears a second time listen he appears a second time every day in your life trying to get you to get it right when something is exposed in your life he's appearing in your life when, when some kind of sin is exposed in your life he's appearing in your life because Ephesians says he, he makes all things known that are done, done in secret. You can't be hidden from sin because sin will find you out. And that is the handiwork of Jesus. When I see someone just, just uh, in all kind of sin and is a Christian, I want to embrace him. See, because God, the Holy Spirit, has zeroed in on that person and brought things to light for the purpose of separation, for the purpose of obedience for the purpose of manifestation of the promises of God. But I've seen the church crucify these people because they're, they say they're in sin. Well, everybody's in sin. Everybody's got sin in them. It's just the power of the sin has been released. The influence is still there. But they crucify the person. We want to take them and, and tell them how much God loves them to shine his spirit on them, to remove this stuff out of them so it can be replaced with truth for a manifestation of what? The promise that you can live in what? The covenant 
that you, that you were grafted into. So it says he can't come the second time for salvation. That means he comes to wash the residue of the sin through revelation. So the first demonstration was life. The second demonstration is truth. The third demonstration is love. Life, truth, and love. And see, and, and when you're in praise and worship and you're in this in this this position here where Jesus is coming where you are, then you are in a position of truth being demonstrated to you. Unbeknowing to you, but something is happening in the unseen realm. So when we enter into his this level of praise and worship, we enter into the judicial courts of the king. He's king, and he's judging everything that's not of him. So in these courts, the enemy of the soul is judged by the demonstration of truth, who is, who is Jesus. Now listen, look at, look at Psalm 68.1. Psalm 68.1 says, Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee before him. Now that's a scripture that you can count on that's happening right here. When you enter, when when I know that Jesus, when I've entered in this, this position right here, my hands get hot. They get like fire right here. I know that Jesus is just setting on me right now and removing everything that's not of Him. And then after it's gone, I enter into that perfect rest, that perfect peace, that that heaviness, glory sits on you of the Father. So. God arises and your enemies are scattered. It actually says his enemies, which is the enemies of Jesus. Listen, you don't have any enemies. Satan is the enemy of Jesus. But in this position, God is arising because of the enemies of Jesus. And he's scattering them. So let's look at uh, Job 5.12. It says in Job 5.12 that when you're in this position, he frustrates the devices of the crafty one so that he cannot carry out his plan. Listen to that. He's frustrating the enemy by stirring up. Listen, I can tell you right here, when you enter into praise, the enemy is being frustrated right here. This is a frustration going on because it's light and dark trying to mix and it won't mix. It won't mix. So, so the enemy's frustrated in this stirring because he knows that if we continue in this vein of praise, his plan cannot be carried out. His plan cannot be carried out. If you continue, see, most of the church gets right here and stays right there, and then they go into the Word. That's why our services run a little longer. Because we want to get to here so that when the man gets up to speak, there's a deposit being made. And it's going to stick with you. I'm telling you, when you... When you're sitting in that presence and somebody gets up here and starts teaching, whether you understand it or not, I'll guarantee you every word is being deposited in your spirit. And you won't see the manifestation of it until months from now. That's why Satan keeps the church right here. You can't go into church and praise him for 15, 20 minutes, take up an offering, get in the message. There's no way that the saints are going to be spiritually equipped in 45-minute service. They will remain babies in a 45-minute service. That's why we have Thursday night spiritual equipping, we have Saturday night spiritual equipping, and we have church on Sunday. Because we still have some that are still, still in the church age, 
still enjoying the church. We have new born-again Christians coming in that, that want to be in church. And, and I wanted to be in church when I got born again. I, I couldn't stay out of the church. But Hebrew, the book of Hebrews says there's a time where you're going to have to let that go and move on to maturity. So anyway, his plan gets frustrated in praise. And his plan gets destroyed as we persevere into praise and worship. And the, he enters into the judicial courts of Jesus. That's what he tries to avoid. That's what, because his plan is going to be destroyed right here when Jesus comes barreling down through that second heaven. He's cutting off everything right here. You see everything getting cut off. All these chains get cut off. Isaiah 54, 17 says, Let no weapon formed against us prosper, and every tongue that would rise in judgment would be condemned. For this is the heritage of the Lord, and our righteousness comes from Him. Listen, there's a supernatural defense going on in the unseen realm, in, in this position of praise and worship. The weapons that Satan has against you cannot prosper when you are in a lifestyle of praise and worship. Every time I get an accusation or a lawsuit or something against our business, I just turn up the praise. I'll put another hour into my praise in the morning or something. When there's a specific thing that I'm... I, you can't war carnally with the devil. You, your weapons are spiritual. And this is the spiritual weapon. is praise and worship. Because it gets the whole trinity in your life. Look, the whole trinity is right there. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father are all involved when you start praise and worship. Romans 16, 20 says, The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Now, I love that word shortly because it says in a few words. God will crush Satan under your feet in a few words. Who's speaking the words? Jesus. And he, he's not... He, He's not a man of multi, uh, the multitude of words because it says in the multitude of words, sin does not lack. So Jesus says one word that can change your life. He can say one word, I rebuke you, Satan, and Satan's gone. But it says it's under your feet that the enemy's under. He said the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. He didn't say his feet. He said your feet. So what's crushing Satan under your feet? Peace. Peace. He is opposed to peace. You know why? Peace puts Jesus to work. Because in peace, you're in perfect union with the Father. When I first time I experienced this, this worship and got in this holy presence and didn't want to leave, I said to Jesus, I said, Jesus, what are you doing right now? You came and sanctified me. You sanctified the room so that God, the Father, can come and rest on us. I said, what are you doing right now? And he said, I'm working out everything around you so that you can live in this place. Because that's what I died for. And he does. He said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So he's gotten things worked out so much that it's so easy when you come into your work day. If you'll spend two to three hours with him every morning, I'm telling you, it works. You'll be telling people I got so much to do that I got to spend more time with God. Because he shortens the time. So when we praise him, he actually enter in, enters into your problems. When we praise him, power is in motion. Listen, if you had this mindset, when you start opening your mouth up, when you come in here and praise, Saturday night, especially on Saturday night when Verdice and the praise team gets up here and they start cranking this thing up, Verdice, Verdice gets, gets, gets in there. And she does the devil some damage. 
Because this is another Aretha Franklin right here. When she opens up her mouth, the devil starts trembling. And she'll bring you right into that presence right here. And whoever's teaching gets up, you can be assured that everything he's teaching is making a deposit. It's bypassing your mind. You know why? Because your mind is at rest. Because it's got to enter in here first to get in here. If your mind's not at rest, your mind will start reasoning with the Scripture and kill it. You let it deposit and let the revelation come forth, and that's what you reason with, is the revelation. Once it's unveiled to you. But listen, listen, listen. This is the best part. And I'm almost finished. Your harvest is released in praise as a sign of God's approval. And you say, Gene, where is that in the scripture? Mason, my son-in-law, said, where is that in the scripture? It's in Psalm 67, 5. And 67, 6. 67.5 says, let all the people praise you and give thanks. Notice they have to work together. Give thanks to you. Let all the people praise you and give thanks to you. See, there's a power released in praise and thanksgiving. But it goes on to say, then the earth shall yield increased, which is your harvest, in evidence of God's approval, and he'll bless you with it. So maybe we haven't received our harvest because we hadn't got a revelation of praise and worship yet. The harvest is out there. It's ours. What you sowed for, maybe you haven't received it yet because there's a principle here that we have to get. And listen, this is a primary principle because we are created to praise and worship. There's principles in the Word of God that will, that will provoke the promises of God in the covenant of God. But the main principle here in this word is we are created to praise and worship, to start a supernatural work going on in our life. In God's, it's evidence of God's approval. So when you're receiving your harvest, God is pleased with you. All praise goes on. As praise goes on, although judgment is happening, but you're not even feeling. But blessings are being released at the same time. To yield is to give something in return. It says it, the earth, the earth, creation will yield its increase. To yield is to give something in return. It's, it's a return on the investment of praise and worship. Praise the Lord. So you have to define what your harvest is. So you have something to praise him about. Is your harvest free free from bondage? Is your harvest financial? Is your harvest a mate? Is your harvest healing? Is your harvest just promotion in something that you're asking God for promotion in the business realm, in family, with your wife, with your husband? Something we are always we always reach a place of limitation. But we are called to be limitless. Okay? So we always reach a place of limitation. But we are called to limitless. Freedom. Not restrained at all. But living in the abundance of Christ himself. So as we pass through the courts now... Time's doing good. As we pass through the courts, now we're entering into this divine position of worship. And that's where God is restoring the garden experience. When Adam walked with God, talked with God, Adam, everything Adam needed was within reach. He had everything. So that's when God begins to restore the garden. And what's, where's the garden? It's not in the Garden of Eden. Your, your mind, your soul is the garden. 
This is the New Testament garden. The Old Testament garden was a piece of land in the, in the Far East. But this is the New Testament garden. This is where God will walk with you. He'll talk with you. He'll love on you. He, this is going to be his home when the Holy Spirit gets finished and Jesus gets finished with his temple, sanctifying it, that the sin is not reigning anywhere in the temple and God comes. This is when you're going to experience this. This is when Psalm 65, I'm going to turn to Psalm 65 real quick. This is good. Psalm 65, 9 through 11. Listen, it says, you visit the earth. See here? He is visiting the earth. It says, and you water it and you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. This is the rivers of God right here. The river represents spirit. You provide grain for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with shower. You bless its growth. You crown the year with goodness and your past drip with abundance. Listen, this man's dripping with abundance. Look at him. He's dripping with abundance. His fruit is dripping off of him. Isn't that good? Doesn't that give you hope? Gives you hope. So the earth is yielding its increase while the Father is reigning. So there's a twofold work going on. So this is when we are satisfied with the goodness of his house. His holy temple. There's no flesh taking up any glory in this temple. And this is what I call kingdom life. It's really the Psalm 91 experience. Psalm 91 says you live in the secret place. A secret place is a retreat. No evil can befall you. Listen. When you are living in this place right here, either for the moment or you actually get to this place right here, no evil can befall you. No evil can fall on you because it stops at the light. Darkness has to stop at the light. So no evil can befall you. The blessing of a redeemed life is what we experience. The spots of leprosy being removed and replaced with life. So he gives, in, in, in that Psalm 91, he talks about, he gives his angels charge over you. Well, look here in this fourth river that flows. It says angels are being released to restrain evil. So angels are being released to restrain evil from contaminating this new garden. Can you imagine all the angels around you when you reach this place? Now, we got angels assigned to us at salvation for the purpose of salvation. But when salvation is complete, there's no, 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 no set of angels being released. And they're there to, to protect. He gives his angels charge over you to keep you in his way is what it says. So listen, he's Savior here, he's Lord here, and we experience life here. Listen, you're not experiencing abundant life until you're experiencing life with the Father. Because that's what Jesus died for. So James 1.17 says, when, This is when every good and perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of life. It says lights, but that's life. And I love Isaiah 66, 1. It says, where is the house you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? The father's speaking here. He's saying, where's the house you're going to build for me? And where's the, ho- where the place of my rest? This is the house. 